Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Everybody else, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Psalm 16. So you can find your Bible, open it, Psalm 16. If you're using the Bible app, you can find our live event and track along um, with that right there. Uh, and uh, for, for those of you that don't know, my name is Trent. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. For those of you watching online, a big hello. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you online folks have anything uh, that you'd like us to know about prayer requests uh, that you are watching, uh, anything like that, um, please feel free to uh, leave that comment in whatever section uh, of the, the comment section of whatever platform you're watching on. For those of us in the room, uh, Frank mentioned a while ago, that connection card that's in front of you, you can use that, fill it out. There's kind of two sides. Hey, I was here or hey, please pray for me. Uh, we will take either one of those. You can put them in the box on the way um, out the door. Uh, that would be great. Uh, okay, with kiddos gone, one other housekeeping note. Uh, if you've been around our church family for a little while, then you know uh, that this time of year is something where we have a little safety, church family safety chat, okay? And so okay, just I want everybody to lock in for just a couple of minutes here. Um, we are prepared for three different scenarios. Again, once a year, we kind of go over this. Number one, uh, if, if you know what's coming, you just play along, okay? That'd be great. Uh, and number one, if there is a fire anywhere in the building, where is our rally point? If you're in the room, where's our rally point? The dumpster. Everybody point to where the dumpster is. That way. Everybody. Go ahead. No, the rest of you too. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents, if you, or grandparents, if you go looking for your kids, do you know where they're going to be? At the dumpster. Okay, so don't go upstairs. Like, go that way. Uh, lights will flash. Alarms will blare. All that kind of stuff. We have um, a rally point at the dumpster. It gets us out of the way of anybody who comes in to help. Fire trucks and otherwise go that way. If there is inclement weather. Um, we will all go to the big center hallway right there. Uh, there are uh, rooms there that we can shove a lot of people in like sardines, uh, as well as, um, you know, just kind of no windows and that kind of thing. Interior rooms, interior hallway, uh, tornado, anything like that. Uh, we will not have a ton of time, but we will do our best to get there as quickly and calmly as possible. Again, parents, if you're looking for your kids during a situation like that, guess where they will be? They will be in the hallway. Okay. So if there's a fire, we go. To the dumpster. Y'all are doing great. If there's weather, we go to the hallway, okay? The third scenario in which we are um, prepared for, we had a meeting about it this past week, uh, is uh, an active threat. Now, I know that there are still a, little, a few little ears in the room, so if you understand the phrase active threat and know what I'm talking about, would you nod your head? Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, if uh, that, that comes, there are a couple things you need to know. Number one, uh, we have uh, some folks who are professional uh, law enforcement types who are ready to respond. Uh, number two, depending upon where the threat occurs and where it materializes, um, you may get to them before the, uh, our other folks do. So uh, we have to respond to that threat of force with a greater and overwhelming force. So if, if that threat materializes, we will need to respond. You can throw something. Uh, you can jump up and down. You can jump over somebody to get to you. We will need to respond with significant force. Um, whoever is on stage, our job is to uh, try to be our best distraction up here uh, and allowing us the time as a church family to respond. And it's true. People may very well get hurt. I don't, there's no joy or glee in any of this for me. Uh, but the reality is, is this is the world in which we live. Uh, so uh, we will do our best to ensure that a bunch of people don't get hurt, okay? It will go against instincts and everything else, uh, but we will do our best to neutralize the threat, okay? So if there is a fire, we go to the dumpster, yeah? If there is a, uh, a weather situation, we go to the hallway. And if there's an active threat in the building, we will do our best to take that threat out, yes? Now, again, it is because we love 
the rest of the people in the room, because we love the kids down the hallway, because we, this is why we prepare uh, for these things, none of which is fun. I'm much more ready to open the Bible than I am to talk about that, but it's important to talk about that once a year. We good, everybody? Okay, amen. Psalm 16. Um, <clears throat> we are, uh, uh, in this particular um, set of sermons, thinking about the kinds of things that God uses, the tools, if you will, that God uses uh, to shape us, um, to, to make us more like Jesus. It is his goal for you and me to become like Jesus in our character, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our speech, in all of those other ways. And so what are the things that God uses? And we've um, identified a few here along the way, and I'll just um, tick them off for you real quick. First of all, transformation uh, begins with consecration, that I offer my life on a regular basis, even on a daily basis. Um, I offer my life uh, to God to say, God, would you please do something with me? Secondly, uh, that there are times when we will take the risk and obey. It may seem crazy. It may seem off the chain. It may seem like, God, I'm not sure you know what you're doing right now. But nonetheless, we go ahead and step forward in obedience. And the impact on us as well as the impact on others because of our obedience is really powerful and transformative uh, to them and to us. Thirdly, serving shapes us. The way that we um, offer our lives in service to those around us to meet their needs and to do God's best for them. That is a shaping force, not only on our life, but on them. Last, uh, last week was suffering is a spiritual vitamin. Everybody loved that message. It was like, yeah, that's the best. Nobody loved that message. But there are, t- there are times when um, God will take us into the school of suffering to teach us things. He will not leave us there longer than we need to, uh, longer than we need to be there, but he will leave us exactly as long as we need in order to learn the things and be shaped in the ways that God wants to shape us. And then today, there is no secret ingredient. Uh, we're going to talk today about growing um, in intimacy with God through uh, the, the daily practice of meeting with God. God uses our personal devotions, our time with God uh, to shape us. And uh, here's how I want you to hear this. Uh, if you're a person who regularly um, does devotions and all that kind of stuff, I just simply want you to hear it as encouragement to keep going and encouragement so that your encourage, like the, the, the things that God does in you through that can encourage others. If you've been at this a while and you know that God uses personal devotions to shape you, that you would encourage others. If you're a person who's either newer to the faith or uh, uh, younger, or you're not sure how this all works or whatever church isn't part of your story, hasn't been a part of this. I, I want you to know that we are simply trying to offer this as, Hey, this is an invitation by God to meet with him on a regular basis. And the consistency of that will shape you. And so I want you uh, to hear it that way. There is no secret ingredient. Anybody a fan of Kung Fu Panda? Anybody who's with me here? No, 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 no. None of this. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Come on, people. If you're with me. All right. Man, I only got one person over here in this. Oh, two. Two people over here in this section. Oh, okay, okay. Now more like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. They're making sure that I see. Okay, I was worried about this section over here for just a second. There comes a point in Kung Fu Panda. It's kind of uh, at the close of Act 2, if you will, in the film, where Poe uh, and his team have, have uh, uh, experienced loss and defeat. Uh, tai Lung is like, he's on the prowl, so to speak, and, and Poe and his crew, they're not getting it done. And so he comes down the hill from the little karate temple, uh, comes down the hill, uh, and he's kind of walking, and he goes to his dad's noodle shop. And they're beginning to uh, file out with the rest of the community. You have this scene in your, ma- in your brain, some of you. He, they're beginning to file out with the rest of the community. And um, he, his dad says, Poe, I need to tell you something I should have told you a long time ago. And Poe being Poe, what is it, you know? 
Well, I want to tell you the secret to my secret noodle soup. Oh, okay. What's the secret? So the dad leans in. Mr. Ping leans in. The secret is there's no secret ingredient. <gasps> what do you mean? Don't you know that? Paul goes through the whole thing. He kind of, you know, has that thing. No, no, like, and they have a great little interchange. Uh, the, the turning point is what that, that moment right there shapes Poe to be able to embrace and, and become, really, who he's supposed to be. There is no secret ingredient. And when it comes to um, our time with God and personal devotions, guess what? There is no secret ingredient. There's just not. It, it is prayer in the Bible, Bible and prayer. And so I want to um, invite us to Psalm 16 and hear God's invitation to us in Psalm 16. You ready? This is probably my favorite psalm. Uh, there's some great ones. This is probably my favorite. <clears throat> Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you'll see all caps there, to say to, I, to the I am, you are my Lord, my ruler, my king. I have no good apart from you. So let's just start here. Um, when it comes to, let's just pause for just a second. Motive. Um, I want to talk about motive. Um, there are times when um, we think that duty uh, will help us get there. Duty will not grow intimacy. Discipline can grow intimacy, but not duty. Duty is an attitude that says there are boxes that I have to check, and once I get them done, I can go do whatever the heck I want to. This is not that. If you approach your relationship with God, if you approach even daily devotions, if you approach any other key relationship in your life, marriage, parenting, uh, living with parents who are starting to get, whatever it may be, if you approach anything like that, it will not grow intimacy. Duty does not grow intimacy. So if, if you're feeling, hey, I, I, this is my motive. I, I need to do this because the, they say at church, you know, that won't grow intimacy. You'll be more frustrated than uh, you were when you started. So... Is there something else that could motivate us? Yes. Look back at verse 1. I'll reread all this. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. God is a safe place for you and for me. Does anybody live in a world or have things in your world that are so chaotic that it would be nice to know that you have a safe place? Anybody? A couple of you have nodded. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. God is a safe place. It doesn't mean uh, that there won't be craziness in our world, it doesn't, but there, uh, it, it, it will be well with your soul. Verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have, again, I say to the I am, you are my king, my ruler, my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So he is a safe place, and what does he intend to do? He intends to do you good. God intends to do you good. Some of you grew up with a God uh, that didn't intend to do you good. Like the, the image that you had in your mind um, was that indeed God was the king and he was just going to make you do whatever the heck he wanted you to do and would beat you until you did. This is not the God of the Bible. He intends to do you good. He is a safe place who intends to do you good. And thirdly, look at verse 3. As for the saints in the land... They are the excellent ones in whom is all my, what's that last word? Delight. He's a safe place who intends to do you good. Why? Because he delights in you. Now, depending upon the situation uh, that you grew up in, depending upon your own uh, religious experience, depending upon any number of things, you may not have a lot of room 
on, uh, on your bookshelf, so to speak, for a God who delights in you. But that is the God who is. You need to clear out some of the junk. You need to ask God for the grace to make room in your soul to receive that because God delights in you. James, we're going to preach through James here in a couple of weeks, starting in a couple of weeks. We're going to get to chapter 4. We're going to read James 4, verse 5. And he says this, God jealously desires the spirit which he made to dwell in you. Why? Because he delights in you. Yesterday, uh, I would, like Jenny and I both, we woke up giddy because... We got the opportunity to go watch soccer. My 15-year-old played in her first soccer match of the year. Fantastic. Love this season. Love it. Like, and some of you are at this stage. Some of you, it may be a little bit removed. And so you have to kind of think back towards this stage. Um, some of you are not at this stage yet. But like, as much as I love doing the things that I did or playing the sports that I played, I love watching my kids do this. I mean, like far greater joy. This is just it. And so yesterday we go out to the soccer field. All is fine. We're like 25 minutes in, half times at 35 minutes, we're 25 minutes in, and it starts to sprinkle a little bit. It went from like blazing hot and still to cloudy and sprinkling. No problem. Five minutes later, it's rain. It's not sprinkling any longer. And 10 minutes after that, it's not rain. It's rain. You know what I mean? Like it is coming down. And they are out there playing, have the best of time. I'm standing there in the rain. Don't care even a little bit. I'm just watching, having the best. It's pouring down everything. Like, I don't care. Like we should, we should, there's a guy uh, uh, right here. He was to my left. There's a guy who brought one of those beach umbrellas. Uh, He had it up. We shoved some of uh, like Jenny's camera bag and stuff under there. And we're just sitting there watching. He's like, Hey, you want to stand under here? No, not really. I couldn't see if that was the case. And they're out there playing a great time. I'm just having the best of times. I delight in that because she's my girl. And I want you to know nothing would please God more than for you to walk out of here with some space in your life, in your soul, in your heart to know that God delights in you like that. And and the reason why that is critical to this particular sermon and to this particular effort and to this particular discipline of daily devotions and regular meeting with God is if you get it, then that invites you in even more. Oh, God delights in me? Sure, I want to sit down. Yes, I want to spend time. Yes, I do. It ignites a kind of passion in you to meet with him. Jesus said this in John chapter 15 after talking about uh, abiding in him and the vine Branches, he says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Can you just like have that for a second? There is a God who is packed with joy. That's what he says. He has joy. Do you see it? My joy, capital M, my. That's like his own joy. Jesus' joy, the joy of Jesus. And where does he want to do? Where does he want to do with that stuff? He wants to just put it in a can and put it on a shelf and go, oh, well, that's good stuff up there. No, what does he want to do? He wants to give it to you. That my joy may be where? In you, not on a shelf, not in somebody, in you. And that your joy would be filled up. This is the God who delights in you. Motive. Secondly, uh, focus. Look at verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Can we just pause here and say they don't add, they multiply. It's not a little bit by a little bit. It's a lot by a lot. So if we pursue other gods... 
Um, here's what I would say. Distractions and temptations, they will come. If we pursue other gods, then we will find ourselves in a bad spot. Uh, uh, they run after another god, uh, shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. I don't want to rush past this. Let's just pause for one second. Distractions and temptations will come. The... There will be normal things and then supernatural things, natural things and supernatural things that will try to keep you from engaging with God and to, to be a part of this. This is just, just expect it that they will come. Um, well, one of the great gifts in us keeping up with one another and seeing how one another are doing is that thing. Maybe you have it in your hand or maybe it's in your pocket right now or in your purse. One of the things that distracts us and keeps us from meeting with God is maybe that thing in your hand or that thing in your pocket or that thing in your purse. It really does cut both ways. Like you, you have to be wary about how those kinds of things step into your life and, and uh, shape you. Okay, keep going. Verse 5. So here's focus. The Lord is my chosen portion. Like he's the one that I'm choosing here. This is why we talk about focus. He's my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I lock in on God. You are my chosen portion. I am yours. You are mine. And I recognize my perspective shifts. The lines have fallen me for, in, in pleasant places. Okay, verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. And then verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. You see that? So uh, the Lord is my chosen portion. He's the one I'm like, like going for, right? Like he's the one I, I am focused on him. And I have set the Lord always before me, always before me to experience this kind of life and all the blessings that come with it. The lines that follow me for a pleasant place, the, that kind of perspective. Um, the, the Lord's counsel uh, to me and my heart being instructed by him to do that requires a disciplined devotional life. It just does. It, again, it's not duty, but it is discipline to say, I recognize that I'm going to have to discipline myself to do that. Now, personal uh, devotions, these kind of, this kind of approach, these are not the only ways that we meet with God, uh, but um, th- they are one of the primary ways that we meet with God. And when we have a sense of expectancy that, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to meet with God, you know what's going to happen? Like our readiness to hear from him and our willingness to hear what he has to say and all that kind of stuff rises. That's true on a personal level. It's true on a corporate level. Like when, when you pull up in a parking lot and you're done yelling at your kids and you pop a couple of donut holes in their mouth, all that kind of stuff, and you hop out of the car. Like if you, if you got to the point where you were like, hey, you know what? No matter what happens today, I come together with God's people and I am going to meet with the king of the universe. Don't you think that would raise the temperature a little bit for you spiritually? Just in the same way, um, that, that is true corporately, it's true individually. I get to meet with God today. I'll just give you this disciplined devotional life. I'll just give you a picture of what that looks like in my own life. Um, uh, every morning I get up. Um, it's very, very early when I get up. It's the only time that it's quiet in my house. So every morning I get up, um, put my socks and shoes on, uh, grab a leash and a dog, and we go for a walk. It's about a 25-minute trek, um, and I pray through what's often called the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Our Father who uh, is in the heavens, hallowed be your name. And I have these kind of markers along the way where I'm praying for different things. You know, I know when I pass the mailbox, I'm praying for this. It just kind of works that way for me. So about a 25-minute trek for me. 
I come back, um, and depending upon what day it is and who I need to um, pull out of bed or, you know, turn the light on or throw cold water on, I kind of make that magic start to happen. Um, and then I, I sit down with my Bible and I open it. And um, I, I use a plan, I've used it for years, called uh, the McShane plan. I'll, we'll talk more about it here in just a minute. Uh, but the McShane plan, it takes you through the Old Testament once, the New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice in a year. And it's been a great thing. Four chapters a day, incredible. It's been a great uh, formative thing for me. Um, and then once I'm done reading, doing my reading for the day, uh, I, I take a journal out and I, um, you know, kind of write the things maybe that stuck with me or the things that I'm praying about, things that I'm worried about, things that I am, uh, you know, just are on my mind or whatever. Because sometimes, I don't know if this is you, sometimes I don't actually know what I think about something until I write it down. Okay, two of you. The rest of you are way smarter. It, it takes some time for me to do. And you think to yourself, okay, like, well, and let me just say, that's like a 45-minute block of time, a commitment um, on my part. But I've also snuck in. Uh, I've also snuck in some exercises because here's the deal. Like when I go walking, like we're at pace. I mean, we're getting some exercise and praying. But here's the deal. I, I do that in the morning because if I were to try to get up in the morning and just pray, guess what would happen? Oh, my gosh, yes. So let me just say, like, I am a much better praying person when I am moving. Anybody with me on that? Like, I want to get out and walk and pray. Like, this is the kind of thing. So that's part of it. So I've got exercise and uh, kind of spiritual um, disciplines there uh, built in. All of that kind of thing together. It's about a 45-minute uh, commitment for you. I mean, you think to yourself, well, I mean, you're a pastor. Okay, good. I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, here are some non-pastoral people. I just want you to, this is 90 seconds of your church family. Just watch this. So there's some non-pastor types, people from here, students and uh, older folks, men, women, who are just explaining some of the things uh, that they do, even put in a plug for a Wednesday morning Bible study. I mean, uh, there you go. God has a kind of life, though, that he wants to, um, he wants you to live with him. And, and that kind of life and the experience of that kind of life requires um, a, a disciplined devotional life. Okay, so what would some of the outcomes be? Let me just um, point these to you. These don't necessarily come all at once, and they don't necessarily all stick around together, but here are some of the outcomes. Just think about this. Verse 9, therefore, 
My heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. There's joy. There's joy. I have met with the God of the universe, and I know that he is in control. And to quote what we sang just a moment ago, though Satan should buffet and trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. Meaning like, he looked down at me and was like, that poor boy. And what did he do? He didn't send an angel. He shed his own blood for my soul. That's a point of joy right there. Like you want to find something solid to stand on. That's, that's what I think. So there's joy right there. Look, um, this continues on. Uh, this speaks to that next thing exactly. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. There is security that comes along with that. Again, it may be crazy. Uh, I have set the Lord always before me, verse 8, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The world around me may go to shaking, but I, I, I will not be shaken. And lastly, verse 11, for uh, uh, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, a pleasures forevermore. There's just a sense that, I, God, you are going with me today. And I get to participate in your life today. And I get to be uh, with you today. And you're going to be with me today. And as that interaction happens, as you're with me and I am with you, that there is a fullness of joy and there are pleasures forevermore. This is such a good thing. These are good things for us to embrace and for us to experience. This is the kind of life, but it doesn't happen without a disciplined devotional life. So let me just give you uh, very practically um, seven things here. And again, if you've been at this a while and you think, I don't need these things, great. That's perfect. Fantastic. Encourage somebody else. And you think, oh, well, maybe I could use a little brush up here. Maybe this will be helpful to you. As always, when the screen actually finally fills up there, if you want to grab your phone, take a uh, snap a picture. It doesn't bother me in the least. Here we go. Number one, do you have a reading plan? Do you have a plan? Some people start in Genesis. They read to Revelation. Some people uh, read an Old Testament book and they read a New Testament book. Some people, you know, however it shakes out. I, as I said earlier, use a plan. He was a pastor, a Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane, M-C-C-H-E-Y-N-E. And uh, again, through the Old Testament once, New Testament twice, Psalms twice in a year, four chapters a day. I've been using it forever that I can remember. It's been fantastic for me. Uh, Again, just whatever your plan is, just do it. Which Bible should you read? The Bible that you'll read. What plan should you use? The plan that you'll read. Whatever it is, just have a plan and read it. Secondly, do you have a reading place? Like, is there a spot where you and the Lord meet? And it's not that any particular place is more special than another, but you just know, like, this place, this is the place where I meet. So I come back in, uh, people are up and moving or not yet or whatever. I go and I sit in my office. There's a yellow chair that sits uh, in our office at home. I plop down. That's my spot. I meet with Jesus in that spot. It's not that I don't meet with Jesus other places. It's just that's my kind of regular spot. The Old Testament, they pointed to people. Hey, you know, we met Lord, the Lord on Horeb, but we met people in that valley. And we, I mean, like, we, we know that God is with us wherever we go, but I met God in this particular place. Do you have a reading place? Thirdly, do you have a reading time? Do you have a place where you sit down on a regular basis at a time and say, this is my time to meet with God? I have to do this early in the morning. It's the only time my house is quiet. You heard uh, one of the teenagers he ain't getting up early to meet with God. He's like, I'm not even sure God's awake. So what, what time does he give God? The evening time. That's his best time. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you with that. Do you have a reading time? Uh, fourthly, uh, read with a pen in hand. 
take a writing instrument out and read with it in hand. Um, this is the Bible that I read from on the regular. You can't see it, but it is all marked up. I mean, it is like there are squiggles and jots and things and underlines and phrases out to the side, all of that kind of stuff. Um, read with a pen in hand. Can I write my Bible? Yes, please write in your Bible. You'll remember more when you write it down. Uh, fifthly, uh, reading fuels praying. You got to know that because the idea is to connect with the God of the Bible, not just read the Bible. You want to connect with the God of the Bible. Um, there are probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 uh, books back there on the camera stand. Uh, and I want to uh, offer this as a resource to you. Um, this was given to us as a church, and we're trying to pass it along. Um, this is called Praying the Scripture. It's by Donald Whitney. Uh, and it will help you if you're having trouble uh, work, working through that. Like, it will help you. These are free. You can have one. If you take one, please read it. Don't take it and put it on your shelf. All right? Like, take it and read it. If you don't, great. We'll just, like, just leave it there. Somebody else will do it. Okay? Um, so... Reading fuels praying. Uh, number uh, six here, stay with what sticks. Meaning if something like lands on you, don't move away from that. A phrase, a word. Um, the excellent ones in whom is my delight. God, do you really delight in me? Because what's sticky right there, that may be the place where God really wants to speak with you. And lastly, um, when you miss, start again. Don't let the enemy guilt you. Don't let the enemy shame you. Don't do any of that kind of stuff. When you miss, start again. Um, close like this. You remember, and some of you are at that stage again. Some of you, you've got a clear way of few cobwebs. Do you remember when your kid started walking? Like your first, any of your kids really. But they'd kind of hoist themselves up onto the couch, right? And then they turn around and look at you like, hey, look, I'm holding onto the couch. And you're like, okay, come here, come here, come here, come here. And you know, they kind of, you know, to, to, to walk to you, they take two steps and you'd grab them as they kind of tipped over or whatever. Eventually, though, uh, you became the parent because all of us become the parent who back up far enough that they're going to just face plant at some point, right? I mean, that's just reality. You and I, we're just that mean. We just are. And then other times, other times where they just got some self-confidence, climbed up on the couch. They're like, okay, here's one hand. Okay, here I go. And they step and they start walking by themselves and you're watching going, oh, good job, good job. And then, right, they go down and there's tears and who knows what else. At no point, I don't care how bad of a parent you are. At no point, though, did you look at that kid and go, get up, kid, you dumb kid. What's wrong with you? Get up. Why? Because they're just learning to walk, right? You're, I mean, you go over and you pick them up. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Good job, good job. Don't snot on my shirt. You're doing such a good job. You don't have to cry so much. It's okay. And you set them down and you try it again. Why didn't you yell at the kid and talk about how terrible they were? They're just learning to walk. I would even dare say, because you delighted in them as they were trying this. And what I want to say to you is, there's a God who delights in you. And if you miss, the best thing you can do is start again. He's not yelling at you. He's not shaming you. He's not trying to beat you. He's not waiting on with a lightning bolt or any of those things. When you miss, start again. Why? Because he delights in you. He said it right here in Psalm 16. But he did more than that. He proved it. He proved it by sending his son, Jesus. We read this last week in Romans chapter 5. God shows, like right now, in this moment, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, before you could do anything right, before you could do anything wrong, 
Like before you, uh, you know, made it okay, before you, you know, kind of let go of the couch and figured out how to walk, before you could do any of that stuff, any of it, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is a statement of his delight in you, that he wanted to rescue you from your sins and give you a whole new kind of life, bring you in to his kind of life, full of joy, full of all the things that are in his kingdom, ready to, the, to express and show you the fullness of his delight. This is the God who delights in you. He sent Jesus for you. Before you were delightful, <laughs> before any of that stuff, he sent Jesus for you. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to know the God of the universe who's speaking to you today is the God who delights in you. If, you're, if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, I, I, again, make the room in your life to believe that, to believe it and to respond accordingly. He delights in you and he proved it by sending Jesus. I'd like to offer a prayer and then we'll have a song of response. Okay, would you join me? Uh, Father, for every single person who's here and here, both uh, in the room and online, um, my my prayer is this, uh, that you would, whatever it looks like to express your delight so that they hear it, so that they, um, (laughs) I keep coming back to that phrase, so that they have room for it, so that they can, Um, say yes to it so that they can believe it and be shaped by it. God, would you give them that kind of grace today over every single person? Let them know that you delight in them. And I pray um, that out of that, that they would be drawn to you, that something in them would be ignited And as a result, they would be drawn to you. They would grow closer to you. They would mature in you. They would become more and more and more like you. So please, be at work with that and for that. This is what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.